Little known fact, the lion is Jesus. Wait, wait. Then what's the wardrobe? Hey, welcome. Oh, I can't oh, do it. Oh, no. <laughs> can't do it. <clears throat> welcome to Your Inner Child is an Idiot, the podcast where we look back on things from our childhood and see if they're really good. Ooh, it almost had that NPR feel of smooth and smarmy, but at the end, it, you, you get yeah, too been, high. I've been ill. You got to get and that my, Robert Seagull smoothness. I'm missing a portion of my voice, and it, it's the portion where the word portion lives, clearly. <laughs> so we are watching... The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the BBC miniseries. Thank you. I was going to tell. I was not say, a movie. Be specific. Okay. It's also not a cartoon, which came out in the seventies. There is a seventies cartoon. Is that it? Patreon supporter Jeremy Palin referenced on our Facebook page? Oh. Um, I'm not on social media anymore. So. <laughs> okay. All right. You don't have a TV. You don't have social media. <laughs> what is? And you don't drink. We're no. all very proud of you. Now that stands for television. When you say TV. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> Go to so, hell. I don't know the commercial or the cartoon. Is that? It's a full length. Uh, it's not a 30 second commercial, although it'll feel like that because <laughs> it's so engaging. Is the cartoon by the Lord of the Rings people? The Hobbit oh, no, people? It's <laughs> absolutely oh, not. Oh, it's very it's bad. terrible. Okay. Uh, so uh, you have no memory of this. I've not- never. Not that you were, like, knocked unconscious or anything. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe. Now, you watched this, but you formed no memories around it because you had a traumatic childhood? <laughs> well, no, I, I don't remember this one at all. I don't remember it existing. I don't remember it coming out. This was before I knew these books existed. Which I think is, it would have been the early 90s when I read these books. It's like, interesting that you had no knowledge that this existed because as I kept bringing it up to you via text, you kept going, oh, no. Oh, God, no. <laughs> well, you kept saying, can we watch this? It's very bad. Which does not exactly but make like, me run to go record a podcast about that's what That's good to me. Yeah. Um, I remember I saw the cartoon first once in Sunday yeah. school. Um, I don't think I had read the book at that point. I had just seen the cartoon. Um, and I remember that in, in Sunday school, they tried to say, oh, well, Turkish delight is just another word for candy. Here's some Turkish delight. And they gave us all M&Ms. And I remember as a kid being like, this doesn't. I feel like you're. They describe it you're pretty. You're pulling my dick, Miss <laughs> Ferguson. That's a different. Do not put those two things together. Miss <laughs> Ferguson is a real person. She did not do that to you. You're right. That is libel or slander. <laughs> I can't remember which. <laughs> we discussed this in the last episode. Uh, okay, we'll but get then to- I then I I remember um, when these came out. Uh, I mean, they were made by the BBC, but they aired on PBS sometime in the right. late as 80s. everything eventually does. Yeah. <laughs> So goeth the stream of British broadcasting just eventually flows down to the delta of public broadcasting here in America. Um, and I saw this and I remember we like my family made a big deal of it, of, of ta- we it? taped it off mm. the TV. So my memory of these movies is also cut with weird tracking like, as we yeah. like <laughs> tried to cut out the credits from one episode into the next. Um and uh, I remember, most importantly, at the end of what was the first episode in the version I watched, it ends with the kids finding a letter written by the White Witch's uh, chief of secret police, Nazi allegory, um, 
and it's written by a wolf, and his head appears superimposed over the letter, and he roars at the end of it. And we, baby Damon, was scared shitless. <laughs> by the wolf? And still, uh, I feel like if I saw it now, I would still like get like goosebumps. Oh, let's see what happens. I can't wait if I just start sobbing in the middle of it. But uh, I do um, have a weird place in my heart for these. Okay. Um, well, you own the DVDs. I do own the, the DVDs. They yeah. were a Christmas gift from Jason, who knows my, my brother, who knows exactly what I would want for Christmas. And so he got me this. Um, but me and my brother like to make fun of uh, the youngest girl, Lucy, because she has a very large overbite, which I know she cannot help but it makes tooth her, shaming her face sometimes is comical when she's mm. happy about things um the puppetry work is terrible um the costumes are terrible i believe the beavers look like just furry condoms with little hands no uh it's and oh i should mention also uh the white witch the woman who plays the white witch uh is just if memory serves constantly screaming at people. Mm. Uh, my brother and I like to quote her at the top of our lungs. My friend Janelle in college, when I, we found out that we both loved these movies, we also like to quote her screaming again at the top <laughs> of our lungs. She's completely insane. And when they remade uh, these books into movies... I don't know, 15 years ago. Uh, Not as recently as you think. Not, it's always double what I think it is. (laughs) Um, But Tilda Swinton played the White Witch and she's much more subdued and because Tilda Swinton is a much more subdued actress. Right. She plays it like really cold and removed but with a weird like faux warmth when she's trying to lure children into her. That seems to make more sense. Traps. And this woman is just constantly screaming and like, what child would want to be around you? Had you read the books when these came out? I think when I first saw these, I hadn't, but I did read them after. And I think they're almost slavishly accurate to the books. Yeah. Whereas well, the new the new movies are not as, I don't think they deviate in large ways, but I think even dialogue and how everyone looks is slavishly accurate to the yeah. books in, in these movies that we're about to watch. I know I got the books like it, it was at a weird time in my life where I wasn't because like it, I went to like a Christian school when I was younger and then like I was kind of into youth group stuff towards the end of like just my friends were in youth group so by I default I see a youth group energy coming oh, yeah, from you yeah that's I got <laughs> big, Do you ever have a big YG patch? energy oh yeah <laughs> unrelated I'd like to think but and then college of course moved to the south where like it was where the whole place is a it youth got group. real confusing for me because i was like oh do i believe this oh is that what that is no thanks but he's a lion absolutely not about like maybe i was like 10 or 11 when i started reading the books which was like in between those periods and so i think it was literally just my friend was like you gotta read these books and then i got them for christmas because i wanted them or something and i got all seven is it seven books there are seven books in the narnia series and we were just uh, talking about how like i feel like it's kind of normal to lose interest after like the three. Yeah. Um, well, I, we talked about, I have never gotten past Silverchair. Yeah. The Australian band. I was like, what does this have to do with Aslan? Wait till Black Void, Black Void, wait till tomorrow. Um, and <laughs> I won't engage with that. He suffered from anorexia. Oh, that's not funny. He wrote a song about it. Straight Lines? No. Frog Stomp? Anna's song. Anna oh. being anorexia. Oh. See that? Good. 
Yeah, so I think I I stopped after Silverchair. I think I started Horse and His Boy, which was the next one. Yeah. And lost interest. My brother, I think, read Magician's Nephew and then started reading. Jesus, I don't even remember that name. Magician's Nephew is actually a prequel to Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Oh. But it comes as the sixth book in the series. But sometimes if you buy the sets now, Magician's Nephew will be placed as the first book in the series. Because it tells you, because it's actually about... The professor in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is the child in uh, The Magician's Assistant. Oh. And you see the, how the, you actually meet the White Witch before she's the White Witch and blah, blah, blah. But I think I read that one after the fact and then tried it. I'm like, I'm going to read all of them. And then I was yeah. a lost interest in the same place I always lose interest. Yeah. I'm like, oh, they're on a boat? Fuck this. I don't care. Um, and I think they made the silver chair in this series. They made up to the silver chair and then never made any more. And then the most recent series, they made the Dawn Trader, and no one went to see that after that. Yeah. No one cares. I, I also like. I know this is famously Aslan is an allegory for Jesus in this movie, and I. It's a one to one. But I also like remember not getting that when I read it. <laughs> That's how bad I am at themes when I was a, when I was a kid, and still. I think my mom was so into me reading these that I knew there was something up that I was like, there's a Christian thing here because we watched it in Sunday school. And I think I wasn't very good at putting together. I mean, the only thing I could come up with, I'm like, yeah, I guess he dies and he comes back. Right. But have you read a fantasy novel recently? They're all Christian. (laughs) They're always coming back. Yeah. Uh, So I... it. And I, I think as you go on with them, they may get more and more slavishly like, psst, my name's Jesus. <laughs> um, but in, in at least in the Lion, Winds, and Wardrobe, it's, you can sort of keep that at a arm's length if you yeah. want to. So I, I think it does work allegory. as a fantasy story. <laughs> yeah. So in your defense, you weren't wrong. All right. Um, well, I'll definitely be paying attention to that this time around. Oh, big time Jesus. Can you find this anywhere right now? Oh, Stream you can it? find it. Someone's uh, uploaded it to YouTube and no one cares enough to take it down. <laughs> <laughs> there are no copyright infringements. <laughs> uh, you can also um, go into Damon's DVD collection. That's collect right. It. Come on by. Yeah. Form an orderly queue, please. We're going to watch this mini series mush together as a movie and we'll be back in a few. Hey, David, we got some listener mail. Ooh, that's my favorite kind of mail, aside from uh, coupon circulars. Yeah. Okay, it wasn't. It was a listener email. We got a email from Jeremy T. Palin, supporter of the show, patron. Thank you, Jeremy. David has already responded, but we thought we would address it on the show. We don't need to read the email full on, but it, do you want to synopsize it? Yeah, Jeremy uh, listened to our episode on Hoyne's World yes. um, and no- noted that... Uh, Hoyne and uh, Garth by Garth um, by extension Garth they uh, call what was his name Mr. Vanderhoff Noah the Vanderhoff. owner oh. of the uh, arcade that's sponsoring their syndicated show um, they call him a sphincter boy a sphincter boy they also say a sphincter says what so uh, Jeremy was asking if we because uh, we gave Wayne's World 2 at least props for not being as homophobic as it could be which is right. quite it, quite the compliment damning with faint praise as always <laughs> um, and he said uh, is that a homophobic slur? was the sphincter boy yeah. comment and a sphincter says what uh, homophobic comment I did respond and I guess uh, I think this is a mileage may vary type situation yeah uh, in terms of homophobia and uh, how much homophobia your car gets to the gallon. Um, <laughs> right. 
And I took it as more scatological, just like calling someone an asshole right. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, calling you a butt. You know. But I can certainly see someone else with a valid offense saying that it is homophobic. Yeah. Because we just like buttholes. I never took it that way either. Obviously, I'm not the uh, the one who would take offense before an actual... Hey, uh, we can all take offense at homophobia, DJ. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, what I'm saying you is... You will be offended. I'm homophobic myself. Oh, no. Okay, so now I kind of... Okay, you're coming at it at an me. angle. Yeah. Okay, I got it. Uh, so what we're saying, Jeremy, is that you're a snowflake, and uh, maybe you shouldn't be offended by everyone. Oh, I'm sorry, you offended? We are in a post-Rush Limbaugh wins the Freedom Medal uh, world, so I'm just going full MAGA on you. Also, thank you for your support. Yes. Uh, if you'd like to email us, your inner child is an idiot at gmail.com. You can call and leave us a message at 615-576-0525. You can also become a supporter of the show, patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. Back to the show. Here we go. We watched the BBC miniseries version of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe from 1998. 1988. Uh, but still looked like it was from 1970. But it looked like it was, the BBC. Yeah. Yeah, they have that uh, Vaseline on the lens kind of... I mean, you know, the, the old phrase, sometimes the, the camera takes uh, 10 pounds off. The BBC cameras take 10 years off. Everything yeah. looks a decade older than it should. They, BBC has... A, it's not just older. It just, like, has a look. Like, it's a specific it's def- look. Yeah, it has, like, uh, like someone put a very... Um, like vellum between the the yeah. the lens and the action. I mean, I remember watching like Absolutely Fabulous, which came out in the '90s, and it looked like it was from 1981. Yeah. You watch The Office from 2000; it looks like it's from 1990. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. And I'm BBC just is just like, we ain't buying new cameras. That's what's make going your on. show, fuckers. Yeah. Direct quote. It's from funded Johnny, by the government. Just take it from Johnny BC, Billy BC. Sorry, <laughs> that's his name. Stupid. Fucking Christ. <laughs> Um, will you please <laughs> synopsize this movie? Thank you, first off, for the opportunity. You're welcome. Uh, glad the Lion, I, glad the Witch, and the Wardrobe is a low fantasy story written by... Wow. Yeah, yeah, here I come. Wow. Uh, written by C.S. Lewis, Christopher Sylvester Lewis. Absolutely not. Um, Billy Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny <laughs> Christopher Sylvester Lewis. Uh and uh, it follows the four Pevensey children. Lucy is the youngest. I never got their last name. Like, That's too bad. Pevensey? Pevensley? No, Pevensey? Okay. Uh, Lucy is the youngest. Uh, Edmund, um, Susan, and then the oldest is Peter. Uh, Lucy one day... The, well, actually, they're they're evacuating London from the Blitz in the 40s, and mm-hmm. they're sent to live in a professor's, in a professor's house out the in the country. And uh, one day while they're exploring, uh, Lucy steps into a wardrobe. Which is a big closet. <laughs> Which well, I didn't not, know until I read this it's book. It's not built into the building. It's a separate piece of uh, furniture. Um, she goes, what's the difference between a wardrobe and an armoire? I don't know. Mm. One is French. Is wardrobe just giant doors and armoire might have drawers in it? An armoire, is that what the... Uh, lady in beauty and the beast the personified she, she was an does okay. she does she was played by um what's that audra mcdonald in mm. uh in the new one that everyone's forgotten about much like when you go to narnia <laughs> yeah anyway so lucy goes into the wardrobe yeah, and wow. discovers 
It just didn't roll off the tongue. That's why they changed <laughs> the Lion, the Witch, and the Omar. C.S. Lewis hated the French, and he's just like, I'm calling it a wardrobe. It's fuck off. Noir. Um, Lucy goes into the wardrobe and discovers the land of Narnia, meets a fawn named Mr. Tumnus, who half-asses a kidnapping until he feels a pang of guilt. Uh, and reveals that he is uh, supposedly under, uh, he's under, he's being paid by the White Witch that if he ever finds a human child, he needs to return it to her. Hmm. But he lets Lucy go home safely. Uh, Lucy tells her family they don't believe her. Nope. Edmund one day follows her into the wardrobe. And while he's there, he meets the Queen of Narnia, who's fairly white and fairly witch-like. And, uh... The next time they go back, they take all four, and they find out that Mr. Tumnus has been kidnapped. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, oh, I should mention that the White Witch told Edmund that she needs to bring her four, his four siblings with him so that she can hang out with them, but probably kill him. But she really wants to kill him. And uh, She's not nice, this lady. Yada, yada, yada. They meet some beavers. The beavers are like, oh, the White Witch is going to try and kill you. We need to go meet Aslan, who's a giant lion, uh, and pretty cool i guess <laughs> but then they realize that edmund's escaped at some point they realize he's probably gone to the white witch they meet up with aslan eventually they rescue edmund eventually they go to war with the white witch aslan gives up his life for edmund mm-hmm. it's probably the end of him probably don't have to oh wait he's already come back from the nope. dead uh, Two seconds later. is able to defeat the White Witch, and the kids are named the four kings and queens of Narnia, and uh, that's that. They rule for like 30 years. Yeah, they rule for 30 years, then they finally come out of the wardrobe, and they're back to being prepubescent children, which is what you'd want to do after you've you know, lived an adult life, probably lost your virginity. You'd love to go <laughs> back to being 11 again. Uh, and uh, that's the end of the book. Yeah. Did I miss anything? Did I tell, mention that the White Witch died? <laughs> the professor knows about this. Yeah, the professor does know about it. When they come back, he kind of was like, well, you'll never go through the wardrobe again, but you'll go. But maybe next time you You'll get will. to Narnia some other way. Wink. Once. Sets up a cinematic universe. Once Crystal Sylvester figures out how. Writes another book. Crystal Sylvester now. <clears throat> Is that what you said? Christopher. No, not Christopher. Crystal. I like Billy Crystal <laughs> Sylvester. <laughs> PCS Lewis. <laughs> um, okay, before we get into this movie, um, I don't want to take away <laughs> what we have to say, but I feel like it's going to be really easy to attack the production value of this because it's very, very bad. I'm on the same page. Let's attack the production value. <laughs> I just say, let's just go ahead and do it. Let's get it all off our chest, and then we can talk about content because... Do you want to is... start with costumes or you want to lead up to costumes? Uh, let's lead up to costumes. Okay, great. okay. So we, we we started with the BBC look. Okay, we're over that. You get used to it. Whatever, it's fine. Sure. Um, acting is not great. This is like a made-for-TV film. I feel like the series. acting is kind it's of it's fine, hit and miss. I think the yeah. children are actually all surprisingly pretty good. Yeah, you know exactly who I'm talking about when I say that. No, I know. I'm I'm, okay. g- I'm getting okay. To okay. <laughs> Mr. Tumnus, great. He was fine. The Beavers. Acting, acting, great, fine, yes. Uh, Aslan acting, yeah, fine. Good job. Maybe a little bit more guttural than you. A lot of, lot, <sighs> yeah. It was like <sighs> we were just playing. Uh, I've been recently playing Breath of the Wild on uh, Nintendo Switch, which you played. <laughs> you played a long time ago, and uh, I 
the, the characters when they're talking the the dialogue is just on screen but they make noises and uh-huh. it was very similar to what Aslan does like ah <laughs> oh it's like that's fine I mean a Stop. lot of people don't know that when C.S. Lewis in his first drafts Aslan was not a lion he was a Karajuku girl so that is <laughs> makes sense I mean I feel like that clarifies Aslan a bit. of Kakariko Village <laughs> Um, so what, what production values, um, would you like to talk about? I mean, there aren't a lot of sets, uh, set wise. I mean, the Beaver Dam is pretty nice. The, the sets are, you know, I feel like I'm trying to trap you. I mean, what, what's the problem? What was your problem? What's the fucking problem? They got a stone table. There it is. Boom. The sets are fine. Like it'd be like the best high school production you've ever seen for (laughs) sure. Aslan's, uh, battle, you know, battalion camp. It looks like a Ren Fair. Like yes. everyone looks like everyone seems like they're dressed like Slim Good Body. They're, yeah, they got like body suits, body suits that are just painted on them. If they're not already freakishly costumed animal hybrids, you got a fawn, the fawns who just have goat legs, but there's like only one guy decided to walk funny in them, and then the other guy <laughs> right next to him also in fun, like just kind of walking normal. It's like Brad, whatever you're doing, that's on you. I my mom's gonna watch. This, this. isn't my species. It's that guy's character <laughs> decided to walk like this. He has a weird ankle thing. What do you want me to do? They also have like weird cartoon stuff. Like, Ooh, yeah. Like anything that flies, like there's a uh, Pegasus and there's some other creatures. What's it? Griffin? Is there's like a, a Griffin and uh, a Pelican, which is, I hate to break it to the BBC, is not a mythical creature. We actually have them here. Yeah, there's, there's some in just the Gulf like of Mexico. creatures. I guess they're bigger. There's like a, a Pelican, a, just a hawk, a rooster. Yeah. It's like, well... What? There's a cougar with wings, which I will... I mean, scientists are still working on it, but I will say, I will admit, it is still a mythical creature. And this is creeping up to costumes a little bit, which I know we're saving. I know, I'm getting so excited. But there's some transition where the wolves are real wolves or the real dogs I guess that mm-hmm. uh, kind of look like wolf they're very friendly wolves. looking dogs I might yeah, they are they're very not they're good boys out there. <laughs> they're definitely good boys <laughs> they're the goodest of boys they're, their tongues are wagging their wa- tails yeah. are wagging any part of them that could wag is wagging but they're evil wolf servants of the of the witch and mm-hmm. they transition into the like the humanoid humanoid yeah. versions and the transition is cartoon yeah, and that like split second is it's weird. it's bad. Um and then yeah, the other th- cartoon things flying around happen. I'm trying to think of what else. Well, you also have uh there is some special effects. I mean, in terms of there's a giant at one point. Yes. Um we yeah. do see some unicorns. The giant I thought, I mean, you can, of course, I mean, you know it's fake, but I thought yeah. he was done pretty well. Yeah, they sh- just shot a guy from below. It was yeah. fine. Whatever. And he kicks the door open of the Queen's Castle. I thought that was fine. I mean, for I mean, compared to the rest of this thing, I was like, yeah, you did it. That looks convincing as a Yeah, as a he thing. looks bigger than the door. Good job. <laughs> um, okay, let's just talk costumes. Let's get let's get to it. Um, yeah. Should so, we talk about the big beaver in the room? <laughs> let's talk about the 400-pound um, gorilla in the room. Uh, so, Mr. Tumnus... Uh, I mean, when they find out that Mr. Thomas has been kidnapped, um, they encounter mm-hmm. Mr. Beaver, who is yes. waving at them or like beckoning to them from from the wood. And somehow they recognize that he's a beaver. Right? He's a beaver. I just saw his tail. Um, and otherwise, I've always I will say this: uh, a person at work when I was telling him that we were going to watch this, he was like, "Oh yeah, he looks like a giant uh, bowling pin." <laughs> 
I was like, yeah. And then I've always described him as little, he looks like a furry condom because he's got the <laughs> reservoir at the top where his head is. And the rest of him is just a tube. Yeah. And he's got his little hands that poke through, but he doesn't have arms per se. It's literally just like T-Rex just hands hand. yeah. and his with feet claws. just pop out the bottom. Yeah. It's like in that in Naked Gun where they practice safe sex, but it's just giant condoms. Right. That's what it looks like. Um, but you, I think, really hit the nail on the head. I really have to commend you because I've been watching this movie for 30 years now. And you said, he looks like a Hershey's bottle. <laughs> he really does. And the same color. Yeah. 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 He's just, just wide at the shoulders, and then he just narrows to the feet. Like a Hershey's bottle. I don't, you know, I don't want to defend any of this, but... <laughs> it's not the Holocaust. A, you can just go for it. Making a human-sized beaver costume. I can't imagine was easy. Especially on what I imagine was a shoestring budget. Yeah. But they didn't do a good job, even given that. Yeah. Um, their faces weren't bad. I mean, obviously, it's it's like fakey, like theater kind of makeup. But like, if every time they did a close up and they're talking, you're like, "That's a beaver," because they got the teeth. They have the little teeth. And they got their and little I claws. I feel like the makeup was integrated. They gave them like little prosthetic snouts, and I feel like yeah. the makeup because their skin, aside from the snout, was made up. They just painted right. like fur on just blackface. Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> and they they integrated the. Um, the snout into the makeup very well. But the problem is the face is fine. The head is not yeah. fine. Yeah, there was like an enormous looks, forehead, which beavers do not have. I don't know if a beaver can catch mumps, but <laughs> I feel like I've seen a beaver with mumps now. Like everyone just like, because their face, it's just cut out. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. Their face is cut out, and otherwise their head is huge yeah i mean the, the beavers are not as nearly as bad as the wolf morgrim right. uh Morgrim, yeah. who plays the who's the the chief wolf um this is what is you huge. spoke about we first get our first glimpse of this uh at the scene you were talking about at, in the beginning the the scene that gave me nightmares for at least four years of my life yeah they're reading a letter when tumnus has been kidnapped from morgrim morgrim it's a very English name where it's like, how do I how do Mul- I know what part of it is your accent and what is actually to be said? Mogram? Morgram? Mul- Morgan. Is it just Morgan? <laughs> it's Tim, actually. <laughs> yeah, but they, I'm Scottish, so it gets a lot of stuff. Yeah, gets a lot of syllables. Or the Welsh, so there's a Z in there somewhere. <laughs> um so he they're reading the letter out loud and then as they're reading it, it fades into his voice reading it and and then his face appears like on the letter like superimposed like yeah. sort of yeah like think the electric company kind of graphics <laughs> and the <laughs> makeup is like it's similar to the beavers in that they just put a snout but it's like a bigger snout which okay dogs have bigger noses than beavers but it's all wrong everything's wrong it about looks it. like in monty python and the holy grail during the witch execution scene and uh they're they have this woman and they've got put her in a costume and she says it's not my nose it's a false one and that's what it looks like that they just put a carrot on this man's face it's ridiculous looks- and when you see him in profile it's ludicrous that someone would look like this he looks like a blobfish 100 <laughs> percent You've all seen that picture of the fish the, with a big nose that's like kind of flesh colored or human flesh like, colored. It looks like Ziggy. It's a Ziggy yes, if a, ex- as a fish. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And, and the, then he the, also just yells as a how like as a growl. A theme, which is a theme. Yes. We're getting to that. That's next, right? We're getting there. Surely. 
But <coughs> yeah, he does. Instead of doing anything that you've ever seen a dog or a wolf do, he yeah. just goes Rah! all the time. And I'm like, well, wolves howl and wolves bark or, or yeah. yip or anything. You have chosen something a lion does, which is confusing because there is a lion in yes. this movie. The other thing that happens during that superimposed letter scene, and I think I really processed it today, is that you can't recognize what you are looking at. It does look like a blobfish. And I'm sure yeah. eight-year-old Damon was like, ah, mostly because I was like, I don't recognize this. What is this? Yeah. And when he roars, like his whole face scrunches into yeah. a weird shape that makes him even more indecipherable. It's like that human condition to like recognize faces, but the opposite where I'm like, I don't know <laughs> I what don't I'm know looking what this, at. So I'm more terrified. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, I, I will got to give that actor props. He does lean into the yelling. He's given it everything he's got every time he does that yell, which is only like a handful of times in the movie. I mean, but. well, it's a handful of times, but he also only appears a handful of times. Yeah, it's so it's every time. 100% of his performance. I think it's basically his sign off. He's always like, <laughs> whenever he leaves the scene, he's It's like, like Carol Burnett Rah. tugs at the ear and he yeah. goes, Rah! That's how his kids at home know it's time to go to bed. Yeah. Daddy loves you. That's how he tells his grandma he loves you. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. So let's get, <laughs> Do you want to get to what we. So we are we talking talk about, about performances now, or are we talking yeah, about... Yeah, let's go to performances. Okay, so we, I mean, we already touched that most people are do fine yeah. uh, in this. But Kevin McDonald is, from Kids in the Hall as Tumnus is great. He's great. Uh, but we do have uh, one singular sensation one in this. One standout. <laughs> uh, Barbara Kellerman plays Jodis. Not uh, Olivia Coleman, as she looks like on the cover. <laughs> Not Angelica Houston, as she looks like when she first appeared. As soon as she appeared, I was like, that looks like Oh, Angelica, Angelica Houston. We've seen her play a witch before. Yeah. Um, and it was delightful. <laughs> uh, Barbara Kellerman, who is, I believe, a theater-trained actress. Uh, she plays the White Witch. Yes. Plays the fuck out of the way. And I gotta say, I mean, she she is, I believe, accurate to the book. I mean, the book describes her as jet black hair, white yeah. skin, a huge crown covered in furs. Um, now, in the, the 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 story, needs her to convince Edmund <laughs> that she is a good person. That is He's kind uh, of seducing a, her, a not in a maternal, sexual way, but yeah, a maternal figure that he can rely on, and then you know she also convinces him that he would be king of Narnia if she mm-hmm. brings him uh, her his brothers and sisters. And Barbara Kellerman takes the tact of not even just playing to the the back row, but she plays to the back row in another theater. <laughs> She she plays to the moon. Every line she says is screamed at the top of her lungs. I am, and if it's yeah. not, if she's not screaming at the beginning of it, you can put money, dollars to donuts. <laughs> she will be screaming by the, by end. the end of it. A I for have, effort. Can we give her an A for effort? I have least? to. Well, I have to. She is committed. Yes. Like at some point, like I feel like if I was in that situation. I would have like a, a sort of moment, almost like Edmund does, where a little mirror self would come out <laughs> and sort of say, what are you doing? And I'd have to be, I had, my scream would like get caught in my throat and I'd just become very sheepish. But she just Did you think this, was, this is merely, you know, conjecture. We have no idea. But do you think this was her choice as an actress or this was somebody directing her? Because no one else... Has that delivery? No, would be the evil. Even you know, we talked about the yelling wolf. He delivers his nut lines in a growl. Yeah, but he does not shout them until he does his like 
Yeah, let's. I mean, she. I uh, when I knew we were going to do this, I did watch an interview of her in promotion of this. Really, with Sophie Wilcox, who plays Lucy, Um, and she seems like a really sweet, nice lady. Her and Sophie Wilcox got along great. They were like very charming with each other. So, and she's been in other things. This is not her first or last. Yeah. Thing, she just. I think she realized like this is a Christian allegory. I play. Like a, a sort of an allegory for the devil. Yeah. Or at least, you know, an embodiment of sin and temptation. Right. And I'm going to just play it to the hilt. I think there is a certain, like, tradition maybe in England of, like, sort of the panto play, the pantomime right, plays. Right, Where it's just, like, for kids and everyone's sort of playing an archetype. And right. she's like, I'm just going to be a deranged woman in a sleigh screaming at the top of my lungs at anyone who will listen to me. I want a folder full of reaction gifts. A just binder from this. <laughs> Just from like every time that she'll like say something and then have like no one has said else has said anything. <laughs> and she'll just like turn her head real quick and be like. <gasps> or blink aggressively. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Um, I want to write, I wrote down some of my favorite lines. Some that I already knew were my favorites. Uh, For example, um, uh, one that me and my college friend Janelle, we always loved uh, and we always liked to (laughs) scream is at one point, you know, after they first meet with Edmund, uh, she's enticing him to bring his brothers and sisters next time that he's going to be in Narnia. And as she's, you know, sledding away, (laughs) she screams... Next time, next time, which Edmund looks, the boy who plays Edmund just looks at her like, huh, what a charming woman. <laughs> the other thing. It's not that, foreboding at all. The other thing that we, the other thing I love is um, Edmund uh, eats, of course, infamously Turkish delight. Um, and he eats it rather gluttonously, eats it all up, despite it being disgusting food that no one truly likes. <laughs> Um, and at one point he realizes, oh, it's all gone. Um, and he keeps asking her for more Turkish light. And when he find, when she's trying to entice him to come to her house later on, he's like, she says, oh, this whole room's full of Turkish delight. And he's like, can't we go there now? Um, and then as she's like getting into her sleigh again, he goes, can't I just have one more piece of Turkish delight? And she goes, no, no. And that's one thing that me and my brother, being subtle human beings, <laughs> like to scream at the top of our lungs until our mother asks us to stop. Uh, another one that I think I really fell in love with this time um, is uh, as they're traveling to the stone table to meet with As, or not meet with Aslan, but to see what's up with Aslan, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, uh, her her uh, sleigh driver... I don't think we ever get his name, but a little person yeah. who drives her sleigh. Um, he says, uh, they realize that all her snow is melting. And he goes, this isn't a normal thought. This is Aslan's doing. And she just says, and this may be the only line she doesn't scream. But it's so ludicrous that it's, <laughs> it counts as screaming. Because she says, the first one to say that name again will be instantly killed. <laughs> Which I like, just like, not just you will be killed, but you will be instantly, instantly killed. killed. Uh, the other thing that I want to just <laughs> actually, I said, I thought it was my last one, but I have so many lines of, that are just all caps <laughs> for screaming. <laughs> uh, the last one I guess I'll bring up is that when Edmund finally goes to her house, he does not bring his brothers and sisters, as he was told multiple times right. to do. And she's just sitting on her throne waiting 
looking like a statue herself. And he goes, hello, your majesty, like chipper as if nothing's wrong, which is exactly what I would try and pull like, oh, I don't remember you ever giving me any specific instructions that you repeated multiple that times. you shouted at the top of your lungs. And she goes, how dare you come alone? <laughs> it's absolutely insane. She also pulls this thing where she raises her arms higher and higher as she's, because once she's at a 10, which is what yeah. she hits at the third word of a sentence. <laughs> she then, only, her only option left is just to make herself bigger and bigger. So she's like, <laughs> like, like a, a scared cat. animal. <laughs> she just like raises her arms higher and higher into a Y. Just like, <sighs> just waving her arms. She's truly the voice of a generation. <laughs> I can't, like everything she says, I mean, I'm like, this is bad acting. I cannot get enough of this. <laughs> Hook it to my veins. Truly, just right to it. It's fantastic. Oh, when she encounters that, that group of foxes and squirrels eating, uh, and they ask, she asks, where did you get all this this stuff you're eating? They go, Aslan brought it. And she just goes, What? <laughs> It's absolutely insane. Oh, I also, just love it. When did we establish that like Aslan's just like we never really established like what he's doing? Like he's like Oh, you're right. We yeah. never see I mean part of it's maybe the limited range of the lion puppet, but like <laughs> the we we don't actually see that he's bringing people food or that how I was how wrong. It was Father Christmas. Oh, Father Christmas. That's okay, what it was. okay. That's, That's oh yeah. Goes, what? That makes sense because and he and Father Christmas he can come back because things. Aslan is through his just power is bringing like a spring back to. Yeah, I'm guessing okay. that like White Witch had customs set up on the border of Narnia. Right, right. Father Christmas. They, could they not took the checkpoint come down. Over. Yeah. <laughs> can we talk? Can we rewind a second and talk about Turkish Delight for a second? Yes. Uh, so whenever, I don't think I'm alone in this, whenever I th- vaguely think of the language in the wardrobe, I think of Turkish Delight. Like yeah. that's the first thing that come to mind because it was so fascinating as a kid because I didn't know what that was. And then uh, it, you know, and he's so obsessed with it. Edmund is so obsessed with it. He fucking throws his whole family under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he eventually, you know, t- you know, apologizes and all that, but still. <laughs> I'm sorry, I almost got you killed. But she had sweets. And he could have anything at that moment. He thinks of Turkish Delight as the... Unless you trust the cartoon. And then we did watch a few different versions of the Edmund meets the White Witch. I wanted to see as many White Witches as I could. (coughs) And so we watched uh, the 70s cartoon. Yeah. uh, And we watched Tilda Swinton in the newest version. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think oh, there was actually a Slate article that we can probably post to our Facebook page mm. that was about how Turkish Delight took on this otherworldly feeling because it's a, it's I think it's a, already a generation removed when this book came out. Right. It's kind of a very like old world thing to eat. And so Edmund wanting it, and as generations read these books afterwards, it was like, what the fuck is this stuff? It yeah. must be so fucking good yeah. that... You just sell everyone out for it. Well, there's also like, I don't know if it was like, even then, maybe it was big more in England than than here. Yeah, there also then, might be a cultural difference. Yeah, but, but even even so, like, I mean, you can get anything now. So we've had Turkish Delight and it's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said you had a rose flavored one. Yes. Um, and, and Lauren had a rose flavored one. My, I, I had like a, I don't know, it was like plain or something. 
I don't know what Just I got it. gelatin then? Yeah, I don't know what it was. Um, and my mom, actually, she stumbled upon a Mediterranean market recently, and she picked up some because she knew that Turkish Delight holds this weird fascination for me. Yeah. And, that, and this was just like a few weeks ago. And uh, I ate it, and mine was pistachio. Was the flavor? Uh, meaning, so I think rose is like the default. Like your yeah. If you, took, I think you can get a lot of different but flavors. But I think yeah, yeah there rose yeah. rose is a traditional flavor. Um, and yeah, mine had pistachio in it. And it was just like sort of like eating um, eating like if you ate a handful of almonds and then you put chewing gum in your mouth. Nuts and gum like. together at last. <laughs> it was a weird experience. It's just a gelatinous blob. And then mine had nuts suspended in it. Rose extract can be like, it's like a drop will do you. Like if yeah. you overdo it, it just tastes like you're eating soap. Um, it's a weird sensation. And it's not really overly sweet. I don't know if in your case, mine was just sort of like. Mm, what have the powdered sugar eating. on the yeah, outside? The powdered sugar but, on the outside yeah. is the only sweetness. Like the, the inside isn't really all that much sweet. I feel it like was, the worst of, I mean, I don't know. Like there's a lot of. English desserts that are not my cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, England. But that that was one that was like, this is the worst of that. But it's not even an English it's dessert. Not it's not English. A yeah, dessert. you're right. Yeah. It already told you that. Yeah. I don't know, man. I think uh, the Turkey and that and maybe even that part of the world are like the they're what the ideal of dessert is is just completely different you know what i mean like there's like a lot of nuts and like a little bit of sweet and where like americans were like you see that bag of sugar i want that that. gone i want that in the (laughs) recipe if it's still there when i come back i'm gonna well you know we're american so we probably shoot them but absolutely yeah well i think sometimes it can be yeah what uh what constitutes an after dinner right course can sometimes be different i know i think in the middle east uh Sometimes there's just not there's not that many sweets at all to But it's like a candy. It's not even like a right. a dessert like that you would like be like, here's your tray of Turkish, Turkish delight. It's like here's a thing, you grab a couple like mm-hmm. you know, like we would, I don't know, and what's the M and M's is like the big thing in Yeah, the US, like a snack. Obviously we're not talking about Don't you, know, you fucking hand me M and M's if I want Turkish delight. I already went over that in the intro. <laughs> well, yeah, we're not. I mean, we're not talking about 21st century here either. We're talking about this book came out in 1950, mm-hmm. so like it's a different time. But still, it's just that's one of the most disappointing. Like, becomes like this fantasy candy in your head yeah. because this book talks about it. not even like an important book to me personally, but still, that's like the only thing I remembered about the book. And well, it symbolizes like, like you know temptation. betrayal and yeah. temptation, uh-huh. and then it's also this food you've never heard of. So you're like, what the hell is this? Even an apple, like if we're talking biblical terms, <laughs> which I know arguably it wasn't an apple that Eve ate, but still, like if you had never had anything like other than. I don't know what they were eating before that, but if you had never had a fruit and and you got a good apple, I mean, you'd be like, this is the best thing ever. So maybe it's just he never has candy. And so a Turkish delight is just the end all be all. You did mention, you touched on this and I'd like to go back to it. We, we talked about how, uh, Aslan arrives. We haven't even met Aslan in the story, but Aslan is back in Narnia per Mr. Beaver. And as they're traveling to meet him, the snow starts melting. Father Christmas Aslan comes back. Is on the move. And, uh, you know, the witch is starting to maybe lose some of her hold on on Narnia. And it's just like, 
well, what is, is Aslan's presence all that is necessary? And that is when your wife brought up an interesting point. And I'd like you to read that point for okay, from yeah. your notes, please. <clears throat> um, and I think inadvertent uh, religious comment, uh, the question that Lauren made, she said, if Aslan can solve all the problems and he just stays away, doesn't that make him kind of a dick? Yeah, that's an interesting uh, point. <laughs> if he can just instantly solve it, Theology 101. <laughs> why isn't he just here? Why does bad things happen to good people? Mm. And why do bad things, more specifically, happen to good people? Why do ha- but bad things happen to good par- person? <laughs> Half. Yeah, um, where, you know, where does he go? That's sort of an interesting, like, uh, mythos thing. It's like, where, yeah. you know, because they mention towards the end of this movie that Aslan is going to different lands mm-hmm. and saving people but it's well like, he's got a sometimes he's got to appear in his male you know human male form in like a taco or something right <laughs> he's got uh, shit to do <laughs> so that's kind of an interesting you know it will, uh, sorry go ahead i, I like yeah, to yeah. you know see that the quantum leap version of aslan just like flipping from uh you know dimension to dimension with ziggy at his side solving people's no, problems fun. you know um I, it kind of reminds me of Gandalf in uh, the original Hobbit novel. Where the fuck does he go? <laughs> he just keeps popping up. He's yeah. like, I, look, I got to go. I'm like, you're the one who recruited 13 dwarves the one and a Hobbit this to is, do this. This is the for the fate of the world. And you're like, I got some stuff I got to take care of. I just remembered I got to pick up no, the kids. You guys need to do this upon you might die. But <laughs> but me, I, I there's the dry cleaning's done. I got to. The wife has been saying stuff about the shed in the back needs to be pick cleaned up the out. Kids, yeah. Anyway, get that dragon. <laughs> one thing that that is sort of cited as one of the witch's powers is that she always makes it winter. Yeah. And everyone always adds this: it's always winter and never Christmas, which I don't understand. Just fucking have Christmas. Just if have you want Chris- it. Christmas is a day. Oh, you mark it on the calendar. It's Christmas. <laughs> I don't understand what that means. But then we, it sort of makes it literal in that Father Christmas does appear. Yeah. Slay and all. Get out. And does what Father Christmas did at your in your childhood and what Father Christmas did in my childhood. <laughs> gave us weapons. Swords and shields. <laughs> and um, healing elixirs. And healing cordials. Um, <clears throat> that part always sort of rang flat for me as a kid and still kind of seems hokey now. Uh, you've created this fantasy land. Yeah. And then Santa Claus is in the middle of it. And it just seems so stupid. Because I guess even as a kid, I realized, like, well, their land is not our land. Right. Christmas is a Christian holiday. Right. Um, you have uh, some sort of religion, some lion-based right. religion over here. But it's not necessarily Christianity, because you don't seem to be talking about Christ all that much. I get it. It's an allegory. But it doesn't... It's. It's like if the Easter Bunny showed up in Mordor. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. What are you doing here, Father Christmas? Yeah, it just kind of, and it's not really important to the story. It, I guess it just reinforces that Aslan is bringing back the good of the world and like kind of chasing away the winter. But it's like, it's just kind of tacked. It feels tacked on. Like, why, why are we doing this? I mean, I, f- I think, um, I think. C.S. Lewis, in that he's aiming this story at children, um, mm. 
is like, oh, well, children might think, oh, it's great. It's wintertime. Christmas will be around the bend. So I need to like add, re- underscore that this is a negative, that right. it's constantly right. winter. But then when you start to remove that winter and you start to, how do I underscore that? Oh, Christmas is now around the bend. And you throw in Father Christmas. But yeah, it doesn't, yeah, I mean, they do receive things. They get their gifts from Father Christmas. So, but so all is well that ends. Well. It just feels weird that Father Christmas was giving sorts. He doesn't feel like the Father Christmas. Why do I keep saying Father Christmas? He doesn't feel like the Santa Claus I would know as a kid. Yeah. He's like handing a knife to a girl, and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, just like old Saint Nick. Uh, Peter, you're going to need this because you're a young man who's going to about to fight <laughs> in a war. Ah, and then it's also, I think it's also laden with sexism as well. Right, yeah. He does give weapons to Susan and Lucy, but then he also stresses they shouldn't use these weapons. Yeah. You're not going to be in the fight. He specifically says that. It seems kind of dumb. It is kind of dumb. I All think right. in the new one, they he does not he does not say that to Susan, but he does say it to Lucy. He does say it to Lucy. Who is that, younger? That who, kind of that makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. Um, also, just to remind us a little bit... Um, when they're when they're with Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, mm-hmm. and they mention that you can just call him Mr. and Mrs. Be <clears throat> casual. That's like, their first names, apparently. Aslan is on the move, and they all just sort of like look up at the trees. <laughs> at this point in the story, no one, like you watching and the children, do not know who Aslan is. It's literally the first mention of his name. So, but they like react like they're like, "Whoa!" But it's like. It takes that men- mentioning that one more time, a couple scenes later, that Susan goes, who is Aslan? And we all yell at the, the TV, thank you. <laughs> uh, maybe they misheard him, you know, because he has buck teeth. Maybe they heard oh. Ass Man and they thought Ass it was that Man funny Seinfeld. episode of yeah, Seinfeld. That's probably what it was. That's probably what, And they're like, uh, and they looked up because like, what was that episode? Or my ass man is on the move, meaning I'm about to play some music and get funky. Wait, can you use my that ass, again? comma man, comma. is on the move. Uh-huh. Like my ass. Oh, is on the you're move. dancing. Yeah. Okay, man. Oh, right. Now, no, I've heard of dancing referred to as <laughs> ass moving. Yeah, shake your booty. Move your ass. Is yeah. What I always scream to people. Shake your ass. Floor. Watch yourself. Shake your ass. Show me what you're working with. That's, That's in the true. song. Um, we got to talk about religious themes, right? Are we there yet? Are we? Yeah, we can go okay. on that. Um. So obviously, uh, Aslan is is Jesus. Uh, Slow down. I'm writing this down. <laughs> Jesus sacrifices himself. Uh, Aslan sacrifices himself for Edmund. Um, and then he is resurrected. And when he's resurrected, the stone table, which represents uh, old religion, uh, is broken. Yeah. And also, we get a, an allusion to that when... Earlier, um, Lucy is the only one that's been to Narnia, and she's trying to describe it to her her brothers and sister. Almost in and an evangelical way, and they just don't believe They do not believe Because it. they haven't seen it for themselves. But they don't understand, because she doesn't have a habit of lying, which, by the way, she's like seven. She totally does. Yeah, I was like, come Yeah, on. but she's been truthful her whole life. And so they go to see the professor, and he says, well, do you know her to be a liar? No. And she's not crazy. I can tell that just by talking to her. So she must be telling the truth, which is very much the... The trilemma. Tell us about that. Thank you. you. 
Um, gather round, children. <laughs> uh, so in, in C.S. Lewis, I think it's in Mere Christianity, he sets up the trilemma, um, which is that uh, Jesus was a historical figure that we can prove. So you have to assume that he was either a liar in that mm. he was lying about who he was and what he came to do. He was a lunatic, just a raving lunatic saying nonsense, or that he was truly the son of God and uh, savior of humanity. And it's sort of summed up as liar, lunatic, or Lord. Yeah. And that is the trilemma. And he writes a lot more about that. But that's yeah, like he the, doesn't that's just like the, write that setup. on a pamphlet and like <laughs> stick it under your windshield wipers. Yeah. Windscreen wipers, they call them. <laughs> Uh, but, but that's the gist. That's and I've it, never yeah. read Mayor Christianity, and I assume he also addresses this, but it, I'm all... Have you read Mayor Christianity? I have, yes. Okay, well, then maybe you can maybe refute it a little better. I mean, I, I have don't my remember own... it okay. a lot of it, so I'm probably not. I shouldn't... I, sh- I can't speak uh, educatedly about it. I guess I your, it. yours and my response is similar, which is that the, go- the all four Gospels are, one, written at least... If yeah. you're lucky, 30 years after the guy died and yeah. theoretically rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. Right. And all those gospels, according to scholars, are also pulling from a book of quotations of, right. from Jesus. Right. So they're all pulling from the same source. So that right. is why they all match up in terms of their right. quote. But that is assuming then that source, if not Jesus himself, is accurately representing what jesus said about himself and honestly if you read mark which is the earliest gospel chronologically speaking um it's a lot more vague on who jesus is than when you get to john which pretty much is like the equivalent of jesus as dr strange shooting lightning bolts out of his fingertips and knowing exactly what he is and really hating on the jews which is also a feature of the gospel of john um so i'm a little I'm not really persuaded by it because it assumes that the things that Jesus is attributed as saying were actually said by Jesus. Where right. he may not, have, he may have just been a Jewish prophet that said some really nice things about you know loving your neighbor and treating them as yourself and turning right. the other cheek. And that seems like may the, not have addressed his lineage as the Son of God. Right. And obviously, we are not Christians uh, and we're not practicing Christians, so we, like that to me was when I as soon as I read that in the book that was the, my first thought and I, I remember reading the rest of the book being like and he does reinforce I remember thinking I think that he goes into that like all these things match up and that's why right. he definitely said these things but I remember being like well I'm not saying we're smarter than C.S. Lewis well yeah and you know we're not scholars either but at the same time it's like it, the you know it's a really easy solution is that he didn't say those things or that those things didn't happen exactly how they're told in the in the book. So, I think you'll find that uh, history and note taking was really well done. <laughs> you know, two thousand years ago, people You're familiar really with cuneiform, right? <laughs> <laughs> like you know, uh, mythology, the Odyssey. That was really just well kept notes by Homer. He no. was like, "Oh, look at that horse rolling in." I'm gonna write this down. <laughs> but the, that looks like trouble for somebody. <laughs> oh, I'll tell look. you, that oh, Helen is a looker. <laughs> this could be trouble. Odysseus is pissed off Poseidon again. I can't wait <laughs> to see where this goes. Uh, so religion is touchy. Some of you might be mad at us right now. That's okay. You can tell us what you think. Your inner child is an idiot at gmail.com. But uh, obviously, it's not. Uh, uh, it's very interesting. Like the the history of it, even from a completely 
divorced from faith, like just the just the kind of facets of it. And then this illusion is very, I feel like it's very superficial too. Like I can see why, um, I can see why I missed it. Cause it's, you know, like if you're, if you're a kid, you're just like, Oh, it's a fantasy story and it Correct. is a fantasy story. And you know, the, the illusions are, are very prevalent, but they're also like, you know, what is the, the white witch? Well, she's temptation or Satan or I don't know. And then, you know, Edmund is maybe Judas, but also original sin. And like, you know, like it's, it's a lot of, it's like, it's right. pretty loose, but, and that's okay. Like that's, it doesn't have to be a I think that, I mean, I think that's thing. what helps it. It's intentional. Yeah. Survive over that stuff. Like there's no way to read like animal farm and not like come away with like, well, this is about communism. Right. And the yeah. only way I'm really going to appreciate this story is thinking not about it in terms of yeah. communism. Right. And I think you can certainly appreciate the lion, the witch and the wardrobe without, you know, thinking explicitly about its Christian allegories. And also, I think it also works because it's not necessarily a one-to-one. Right. Uh, yeah. I think I, in re-watching it now, I real I think I said in the intro, it is a one-to-one, but it's not really a one-to-one. Yeah. Aslan's pretty much a one-to-one. Right. But the White Witch uh, could be Satan or could just be the idea of temptation. Uh, Edmund, yeah, he has like some, he does portray his family and... Uh, close friends like Judas does, but he also gets redeemed in the end, right. which Judas does not get done. Right. Um, you could see Su- Susan and Lucy as Mary and Martha at the, uh, at the, at Jesus's tomb, which they, you know, they attend to Aslan when he resurrects. Um, but you know, they, they don't have to be seen through that light. You can, right. you can enjoy the, we were definitely looking that. for that. Oh, attention, yeah. Of course. Like, and as, as I love that did. shit. As a 10-year-old reading this, I definitely wouldn't have been looking for And it. Mr. and Mrs. Beaver are, of course, the uh, Simon, St. Simon, and, of course, Matthias, the replacement apostle for Judas. So that seems obvious Thomas is my favorite biblical character, Johnny Appleseed. <laughs> um, what, and you said low fantasy. Tell me, tell me what that means to you and why this is a low fantasy. Okay, so that's not a, it's not a critical judgment, but like Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones, for example, right. are considered high fantasy because there's no like entry point. It takes mm. place in Westeros or it takes place it's in... It's not lo- like connected to the Middle Earth. Earth. Right. Okay. Okay. And whereas like stuff like Harry Potter or Alice in Wonderland or Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe involves children entering into a world or discovering, in Harry Potter's case, he discovers right. a subculture yeah. uh, where... So it is connected to our world, but, you know, we have surrogates that are from our world entering into this fantasy world. Gotcha. So that's what that means. Oh, gotcha. I thought you were... It's not like a, This is a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Man, no. Um, all right. Is there anything? Wait, else you want one to more say? thing I yeah. wanted to mention that I thought was interesting. That's less, well, a little bit religious, but not as much. The White Witch, when she stumbles upon the feasting fox and the uh, squirrels and whatever eating the food that Father Christmas got them, um, she does an interesting trick that maybe in this time of Donald Trump like rang out to me, but she, she stumbles upon them. And I mean, she is almost an embodiment of Satan or or sin, but she says, uh, uh, she sees them eating and feasting. And she's like, where did you get all this? Where, uh, what, look at all this gluttony and waste and self-indulgence. Like she sort of uses the, the, the terms of like morality and yeah. religiousness yeah. to attack them, even though she herself is literally on a 
trek to go kill the savior of right. of Narnia. Uh, I thought that was really. It reminded me of you know how dictators and other yeah scheming politicians might wrap themselves in the language of religion while also being so you're telling shitty. me shitty. You can just say the thing that you're guilty of <laughs> about another person and it works yeah. Yeah, and everybody sometimes. fucking falls for it somehow. I, what I'm trying to say is that Liberty University has invited the White Witch to speak <laughs> at their next uh, commencement. There's going to be a protest. <laughs> Um, oh, the other thing is, the White Witch's plan doesn't really make sense to me. Like she's she, going to kill them? So she takes... No, I mean, I get that plan. Yeah. Because there is a prophecy that says if four uh, sons of... Uh, if two sons of Adam and two daughters of Eve sit on the thrones, she, her winter and rain will Dope. end. So that makes sense. And she meets Edmund, and at first she's like, well, I'll just get them all while I'm at it. Right. But then when she realizes that Edmund is not going to bring them, and then they're not going to come to her... It takes her so fucking long to realize, wait, if I just kill this fucker, there ain't four kids to sit on those thrones. Right. It takes her so long, and I do not understand why it takes her that. Well, she, she tries to kill She tries everyone. to kill him. And she does. All, and and they get, he gets saved by the cartoon Griffin and his friends. I'm just saying it takes her so, takes her so long, and she has like an epiphany where she's oh, like, yeah. wait a minute. If I kill him, then it won't work. And I'm like, yeah, no shit. The minute he was like, Oh yeah, I didn't bring my sisters. I'd be like, turn to stone. Dead. Now push it off of, off a yeah. ledge so it cracks into a trillion pieces. It just doesn't make any you sense. You would have made a much better white witch. You know, and that's why I'm campaigning. <laughs> I'm not taking money from super PACs. I want <laughs> everyone to chip in $2 to get me to be the next white witch of Narnia. You got my vote. <laughs> um, okay, one last thing I wanted to say. And I think I thought about this while we were watching why we all quit the Narnia books around the same time, except for, of course, the exception of Jason Santhopoulos, who's the only person I know who read all seven. Um, and I feel like as the story goes on, it just sort of become, starts to feel like generic fantasy, hmm. where it's just like, hey, we're in that fantastical land where there's everyone's fan favorite, Reaper Cheap, the mouse. No one cares. Um but in this book, it's so iconic. Like yeah. these kids walk in and this snow covered land, and it's always winter and has and these striking and, yeah. images of like, you know, a fawn in the. I think that's actually the first thing that. I think C.S. Lewis drew it on a napkin this fawn in the snow with an umbrella. Mm. Uh, and I feel like once the snow is gone, it's just like. It's just generic fantasy land. Like, yeah. no one cares. Mm. It just loses that. That iconography that works for this it made that made it unique and it just sort of becomes like oh prince caspian that's right on the dawn treader who cares <laughs> although i was when you were describing the what's the uh the origin story one i think i said book? the magician's assistant Neph- but i think it's called the magician's nephew. nephew that story sounds interesting to me that uh, story is the synopsis of it does balls to the wall insane and I do recommend it if you if you want if you're like me and you can't get enough White Witch being a complete and utter lunatic. Uh, it involves it's actually the professor from this yeah. story as a young boy, and I think he his father or maybe uncle or something is a magician and he has rings that can transport you to different parallel universes, wow. and they pe- travel to various ones. And at one they find a completely destroyed realm, and they find one. I think she's asleep. She's like in a stasis point and they wake her up and she is Jada. She's the white witch. 
Um, but she's not the White Witch yet. And uh, she, f- we find out that she, her sister was queen and she wanted to be queen. And her sister was like, you can't be queen. I'm the queen. And so she found a spell that she would, could utter a word that would kill all life in existence on that, in that universe except for her. And she was so vengeful and spiteful that she did that. She killed absolutely everyone so that there would be no one left. And then the kids are like, oh, you're fucked up. Let's get the hell out of here. (laughs) Um, And before they're able to jump uh, to the next universe or go back home to England, she grabs them and follows them to England. And then there's like a huge like standoff with the police and the white witch in the middle of London. And she grabs a piece of a lamppost and starts like attacking constables with it. And then they realize that the constables are no match for this seven foot crazy woman um, who can tear apart street lamps with her bare hands. And so they grab her and take her to a new place with the rings. And there's when she drops the lamppost because hold on, Aslan is creating Narnia at that very moment. And she drops the lamppost piece and it grows into a new lamppost because he's busy creating the rest of the universe. And then she takes over and like touches a tree and her skin turns white and she uses her magic to freeze all of Narnia. It's insane. It's insane. The whole thing is insane. That When's sounds, that movie coming out? I was going to say, that sounds going to be interesting <laughs> though. So The Magician's Nephew. I do recommend that one if you get a chance. <laughs> I guess so. It's completely I'll, insane. I'll do my favorite thing when I know that I actually don't want to read a thing. I'll read the Wikipedia synopsis. Also recommended. <laughs> um, let's go to the verdict. What do you think? Uh, I would say you're in a child is an idiot. This... No, let's go to the verdict. Oh, we haven't gone to the verdict yet. Oh, sorry. We need a break. Okay, let's try that again. I can do it this time. <laughs> let's go to the verdict. I agree. Let's go there now. <laughs> What an asshole. You've done this show before, right? <laughs> no. Guest star, Damon Zanthopoulos. I mean, I've done one or two, right? <laughs> yeah. Or 106. 115. Jesus Christ. And you haven't missed any. I uh, missed a couple. Oh, I have to talk to you about that. Okay. You want me to miss one? I quit. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, bound to happen. All right. So, uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the BBC, comma, 1988. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Go ahead. It's shit. You're going to try as an idiot. <laughs> If we were reviewing the book, I might be like, yeah, it's fine. But mm-hmm. the this is a very bad uh, version of it. Uh, bad acting, bad costumes. You know, production value, like I said, production value is like a 10% knock just because there's only so much. Like, it's, it is it's what it is. it's the 80s, yeah. It's the 80s. It's made up by BBC. It's a made-for-TV thing. Like, fine. Like, I'll take all 10% goes away. But that's still, you know, whatever. But the rest of it is just like, it's boring like the story itself could have been, uh, you know, I know, I understand they were like, they were kind of stretching it out. You could tell like that it was like, we have whatever, six episodes or whatever it is. Three episodes. What was it? I think it's three episodes. Three episodes. Um, did not need to be as long as it was. It definitely could be streamlined into a, a tighter. There's a lot of them just like, like physically walking across the room <laughs> to like do and it was like you know like stuff where it's like we didn't need to when they come to the the manor the countryside manor for the first time the vehicle drives in and it, we watch it do a whole u-turn i remember it's you like, complaining about this in real time but it's just like what <laughs> why are we watching this like 
you know, if, it's one thing if you were doing that to build tension or something, or mm-hmm. it was like really interesting cinematography or something, or there was like a re- it was all just like this is just boring. I think that a lot of you are right in that there is a lot of tension built in automatically in a three point turn. I right. like that. Just is he gonna make it? No, just pull up and stop. <laughs> don't turn around. I don't need to see that. No, that's. I think that's a perfect. Uh, the reason I, I I'm harping on that and it's not for that scene, but that is a perfect encapsulation of kind of how this movie is shot, and some of it's maybe just the time period and the production, but it's just like it's bad. Yeah, the White the, Queen, even though it's fun, and I like quoting things, she's very bad. <laughs> yes, she's out of control. <laughs> there, you what are you right in that it is, uh, cinematography-wise, there are a few moments where they do something creative, but because there's so few and far between, it reminds you how dull the rest of it is. Yeah. Like, there's a great, like, intercutting of, of scenes in the McCready, McCready scene, which is the first, or right before... All four kids go into Narnia for the first yeah. time. And Mrs. McCready is the housekeeper for the professor. And she likes the kids to stay out of her way. And she has guests in the house. And you sort of intercuts between just, you don't see her face. You just see McCready's feet like walking across yeah. the rug. And the kids like running up staircases. And then it cuts back to the wardrobe just sitting silently. And then cuts back to McCready's feet. And that is like a well, you know, done yeah. like building tension scene. And it just reminds you how fucking boring the rest of this is. <laughs> where a lot of it is just Mr. and Mrs. Beaver and the kids sitting around a table, just literally quoting l- whole swaths of dialogue from the book. And I'm like, yeah. guys, trim this down. Add a fucking joke or something. Right. Um, <laughs> so I completely agree. It, I would recommend the way to enjoy this film is look up all of Barbara Kellerman's scenes yes. yeah. on YouTube and That's watch those. That's totally worth it. Those are completely balls to the wall, yeah. insane, uh, but in a very high camp fun way yeah um she makes carol channing look subdued and absolutely watch your volume have so your it, have your hand on the volume now. yeah edmund's right there and you're trying to win <laughs> him over uh we didn't even talk about the aslan puppet but that is absolutely atrocious <sighs> they tried um, you can tell they they put they put a lot the way they were shooting it you could tell that they were proud of it i know i mean when he's still, he's not that bad. It looks like a stuffed lion. Like, it looks like yeah. a, stuffed, a stuffed lion. When he talks, though, I mean, his mouth cannot move in any semblance of the amount of time that it would take to <laughs> to form the words he's saying. So it just, like, opens. When they have him talking slow, like, yes. abnormally and I, slow. And they cut a lot away from yeah. him when he's talking to, like, yeah. just people looking at Wonderman at him. I remember, it reminds me of, I had a Teddy Ruxpin as a kid, <laughs> and... You're I, my best friend. Was I accidentally right? pushed his eyeball in, um, <laughs> and his jaw broke at one point. Probably because I was probably trying to put like fingers in his mouth or something. Nightmare fuel. And when you would put the tape in, he would still, you know, try and mouth along to the tape. But his jaw didn't work anymore, so it was just like sort of hang slack and just somewhat try and lift up and then <laughs> hang slack again. And it just... Mm. Uh, you know, it was kind of like a pinball, you know, flipper. Yeah. But like you'd lift it up slowly and then drop it. Mm. That's what it looked like. And that's kind of what Aslan yeah. looks like. He just doesn't. You, I mean, Lauren brought up a good point where it was just like they just weren't there yet. And they couldn't <laughs> see that they weren't there yet. <laughs> like they could have even like. It's a lot like the Irishman. They could have recorded. <laughs> what if we made Robert De Niro young? I'd stay away from that. <laughs> Um, Looks they great. Even, yeah. 
yeah, Marty, it looks great. <laughs> You're a legend, and it looks great. Looks great. Um, they could have even like Oscar? recorded. They could have even <laughs> recorded Aslan's parts and sped them up, but yeah. they didn't do that either. Nope. Um, he just like speaks slowly, but even that's too fast for his <laughs> lips to catch up. Um. So yeah, it's not great. We also. We, as we said, we watched the Tilda Swinton scene, and Tilda Swinton as the witch is actually knocks it out of the park. Great, she's yeah, I, fantastic. She's oddly seductive with the child, yeah. which is creepy, but probably on the right side of yes, yes, exactly. Um, she's great. She's fantastic, and you're like, yeah, I can see why a kid would be tricked into yeah. thinking this woman actually has his best best interest in mind. Yeah, no, you but know, Barbara Kellerman is screaming at the top of her lungs yes. like a it doesn't a make banshee. any sense. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Hey, what do you think, everybody? You're in child is an idiot at gmail.com. You can also call and leave us a message, 615-576-0525. We'll play it on the show. You can become a patron of the podcast, patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. Let's go there now. <clears throat> we want to thank our current patrons, including Lindsay Nell. Oh, the supreme ruler of this podcast. I didn't get hey, that pamphlet that's, yet. That's a tricky name. You're trying to <laughs> trick us. I want to thank The Zesty. Little Flick. Just Cuz. Jacob Grimm. Brandon Hardy. Christine in Brooklyn. His Honor the Mayor. Jeremy Powlin. Joshua Nicholson. Karen Curd. Larissa Maestro. Dan McIntyre. Ghosts in the Burbs. And Jonathan Day. It's starting to feel like people are in witness protection. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's got a nickname. Yeah. Well, it's the internet, you know? You know, people love a handle. They call it a handle and, on the uh, ham radio. We want to thank you guys for supporting the show. You're helping us uh, keep making this thing. So, you know, Damon doesn't come cheap. That's true. And I charged for the DVD that I already owned. Yeah. I'm an asshole. <laughs> What else? We can you can uh, follow Damon on social media. You can follow us at uh, on Twitter at Y I C I A. You can find us on Instagram. You're in a child's an idiot. Uh, okay, wh- why don't you take us out with your favorite? Uh, I'm witch. so glad that you asked. <laughs> Hold on, just a minute. Hold on, let me just turn the volume this down. This one a bit. is uh, this one's from when she is uh, trying to threaten. Aslan at the stone table, uh-huh. and she says, The whole of Narnia will be overturned and perish in fire and water. Fire and water? Both of them. Just both okay. of them. Well, I guess that's all you of know. them. Just all of them. Once you have the fire damage, the water does it just, you know. That helps. So. But then, yeah, oh, I, I've been through a fire. It's really and then the, the water smoke damage. that damages things, you know. <laughs> they wet everything and you get a yeah. lot of mildew. You're going to want to get your clothes in the dryer yeah. as soon as possible. And the White Witch knows that. <laughs> and she's banking on there not being an available laundromat. So evil. Oh, <laughs> Satan allegory. This episode was edited by Benny Goldstein. Thank you, Benny. Thanks, Benny. Sorry for not putting that in there earlier, but you're a really good editor. You can just stick that. Snip, snip. They call they call it uh, a, a cut and paste. You just because, hit uh, Control X, yeah, and then you go to the place you want it to be, and you hit Control V. Yeah, there you and go, Benny. You know, that one's for free. You know that comes from you used to actually have to cut and then physically paste. No, no, no. no. Yeah. Do you have to paste in a V shape? Yes, that's why you okay. use the V. Okay, that makes sense.